Kevin Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair because it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Show. We're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Shecky Show. Ready? What? <laughs> Are you ready? Every good jazz song starts out with the band leader going, "Okay, ready." No one. I don't. I don't believe that. Uh, are you joke. ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody. The, 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 I'm gonna count it off, but it's on two and four. Uh, are you ready? All right. So, welcome everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number forty-five. Forty-five of the middle-aged cool kids, super terrific podcast, featuring your pals. Symphony Sid and Jazz Bo Collins. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I don't know which one I'm. I'm at the present time. Uh, I Perhaps I can help you. I would rather be Jazz Bo than Sid. Jazz Bo was the hippest. Yeah, I figured that. I figured Jazz Bo was way hipper than Sid. Anyway, coming to you from the Purple Grotto. Oh. Uh, so today's episode is all about the jazz. Uh, Dave uh, fancies himself quite the uh, the jazz hep cat, so uh, I figured he would uh, he would give us some of his knowledge, drop some of his jazz truth bombs, as it were, much like he did with funk. Um, this one's a little harder sell for me because uh, there are aspects of jazz that uh, I just uh, I cannot. I cannot hear. I cannot listen to. It is not uh, pleasant at all to me. That's so. because the Chinese took it over in I, the 1940s. The Chinese. And that's, uh, you can ask Louis Armstrong about that. I would, but I hear he's passed away. Louis Armstrong called bebop Chinese music. He did? Yeah, and that just goes to show you that every generation can't relate to the next generation. He called, so bebop isn't jazz? <laughs> Well, not according to uh, Louis Armstrong. I see. I see. You All see, right. the, new, the new breed came in, and he was a little bit threatened. He didn't quite understand what they were doing. And uh, to him, it was like speaking Chinese. Oh, I see. Not the actual Chinese. Well, he just didn't understand their language. I see. So let's start from, from the, the very get-go. Where do you think jazz started? Uh... Jazz started in New Orleans. Uh-huh. How? How does it, why? Jazz is, uh, jazz somehow started in New Orleans. I don't know why it didn't start somewhere else, but uh, that seems to be where it is uh, recognized as starting. And, uh, you know, jazz has its origin in Dixieland music and also in uh, street marches and bands that would play at funerals. Uh, the funeral bands would play marching band jazz, Dixieland. And that's the, they didn't even have bass players then. They had, the tuba was the bass player because you could walk with the tuba. 
And you walk, oh. one, one guy would hold the bass drum, another guy would hold the snare. You know, it's like a marching, swinging marching band. So some of the first jazz was celebratory music, uh, sort of as a honoring the dead. Not celebrating the death, but celebrating their life through music. You know what I mean? So tell me <clears throat> how Dixieland goes. We go from Dixieland. Uh, is there anybody that was prominent in Dixieland? Is there like a, the father of Dixieland? Well, yeah, there's a you know, number of cats. Uh, one one person is uh, Bix Biderbeck. <laughs> what? Bix Biderbeck. Bix Biderbeck. Spiderbeck might have had a little bit of a drinking problem. Okay, well, that was, by the way, uh, Big Spiderbeck, I'm coming, Virginia, from 1927. All right, now, that would have a whole nother meaning in today's music. All right, I don't know Yuck. about that. Uh, it says here he played, this guy plays the cornet. Cornet is like a uh, smaller trumpet. Ah, okay. It has a softer tone than trumpet. Taramasahino plays the cornet. Oh, he does? Yes. I did not know. Uh, is that a jazz uh, staple still, I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you play trumpet, you might play cornet. But no, I mean, it's, you know. Is it the same notes, just different I tone? Think, I don't know exactly. I'm not positive of that. They, it might be in a different, it might even be in a different key. I'm not sure. And then there's another cat named Sidney Bechet. Check him out for a second. jazz okay now that that was music that music sounded pleasing yes if you don't if you can't understand that music i don't understand why you wouldn't understand it there's nothing there's no mystery there and there's another cat too uh and now this is the trumpet player who really kind of influenced louis armstrong what's his name the trumpet player uh, king oliver
And these are all pre-Louis Armstrong, who is kind of, uh, I guess, takes the crown as the founder of kind of, or like the head of like uh, New Orleans jazz. Guys aspired to be in King Oliver's band. Like if you could get a chair in his band, you had basically made it. But am I mistaken? Now is King Oliver out of St. Louis? He and moved to New Orleans in his youth, it says, in Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, okay. So anyway, New Orleans is basically the birthplace of jazz, if you want to really get technical about it. And uh, jazz is made up of elements. And one of the elements of jazz is blues. And blues is music of slaves. That's where it came from. So uh, I can see why it came from deep in the South. So blues is essentially the core of jazz. And you can also see how New Orleans is kind of a cross between, like, you know, black people and, like, European, like, French people. So, and that really is jazz. It's, like, European and, and Ameri- African-American. That's, that's, that's jazz. That's why you can relate to all the early jazz, because it's essentially just slick blues. It's almost like it's happy blues. Yeah, I mean, unless they start playing in a minor key, and then you get the devil going. Well, it's just, it seems to, like, for me, the, the blues is dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah, it is the blues. But that doesn't sound to me like jazz, so I don't I don't maybe understand the bridge from blues to jazz. Like, how did that happen? Well, that dun-dun-dun-dun, that's just a riff leading into a chord. Uh-huh. And that chord is the same chord that they're playing, and then they go to another chord, and it's probably a similar chord. You know what I mean? Like, it's rooted in the same concept. Basically, that's the thing. Jazz, like you could say, jazz is all about improvisation, but it's just not some sort of lunatic in a room making noises. I mean, this is improvisation based off of of a, a tradition. It's a tradition of of stu- it's a studied tradition. And once you understand the tradition and the vocabulary and the, and the language of the genre then you can improvise but you can't just improvise over a jazz in the jazz setting unless you know what you're playing it's like it's like classical music if you took classical music and just started making stuff up over it you'd have to know the classical music in the first place you couldn't just make it up you have to, you know what i mean you could, i don't know anyway wikipedia what was i saying I don't know, but Wikipedia uh, Wikipedia says that jazz is characterized by swing and blue notes. Yeah, Wikipedia's a cracker. Call and response vocals, polyrhythms, and improvisation. Blue notes. I would really like to know what defines a blue note. Well, what's a, what's a swing is the happier stuff. Dixieland is swing, right? Or does it all? I'm just swing? saying, uh, a note is only blue in reference to what chord it's it's uh, positioned against. I guess I don't. I have that's you've lost me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean, uh, an A sounds like an A, uh-huh. but if it's played against an E, it sounds like something different. I see. It sounds like an A with an E underneath it. It doesn't just sound like an A with an A underneath it. So it's not the note. It's the it's the chord. It's it's juxtapositioned against. All right, that's a little too deep, I think. Yeah. No, but jazz is uh, is deep, but it's also is supposed to be simple. See, at the at the core of jazz, it's just a it's just a swinging beat and blues changes. But then it has many other 
that's just at the core. Then it gets inverted and twisted and... Uh, I mean, it's, it's harmonic and it's rhythmic, so it's, it's very deep. What's that's why jazz musicians have such a bad attitude. Because you've got to be a genius to really do it well. And then you look down upon the people who don't understand it. Is that, is that what you do? Is that the... I'm not a genius. I'm just saying true, great jazz musicians. I'm more of like a jack of trades. I, I'm, I dabble, you know, I can... I'm a more of a session kind of guy. I'm not a bebop or a jazz master. There are guys like that, you know what I mean? That's like, they live and breathe that. They, don't, they wouldn't listen to pop music. If you wanted to learn jazz, you wouldn't even listen to pop music. You jazz only on your turntable, only on your Walkman, whatever it was. That's all you would have. If you wanted to really be that, that's what you had to do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be authentic. But in being that, you become an asshole. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's true. It really is. I, I, I see that you're not kidding. So after these guys and Dixieland, is Louis Armstrong came? Uh, yeah, to cut to the chase. Then you get into Louis Armstrong uh, and... Uh, you know, at some point, basically, like these bands, you know, at some point, the tuba turned to a string bass. Oh, okay. And When did the, that happen? And at the same time, the drum set turned to a drum, I mean, the drum parts turned to a drum set, a trap set, which I'm thinking this happened around, around 1910, 1915, I would think. That's my estimate without looking it up. So it was just a single drum here and there? No, it was like, uh, you know, one guy would play the bass drum with, his, uh, with a beater walking, holding it <clears throat> like a marching drum. One guy would play the snare. There'd be other guys playing cymbals. Are you saying before jazz there were no drum sets? No one played a drum set in any music? Uh, I believe there might have been some sort of drum sets in Africa, but not like what we think of them as. I doubt that there was anyone playing with their... I, I really don't think that any culture played hands and feet like that. You'd have a set of drums, you know, that you play with your hands. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's drumsticks and a kick pedal and a hi-hat. That's, yeah, that's an American in invention. That comes around 19... 20 or something wow what year was uh, louis armstrong the the face of jazz basically i would say louis armstrong was like the early mid-20s all the way up to when he died but mid-20s to the 50s was his height mid-20s to the 60s i guess and that was just yeah, I, mean, I mean he died in 72 or something so he I mean, yeah. and he played specifically what kind of jazz he played specifically I would say swing blues jazz.
Armstrong got a lot of flack uh, from black people. Why? Because they saw him as a, as a sellout, almost as like an Uncle Tom, the way he would shuck and jive in their opinion. You know, he made movies and he'd smile at the camera and make big eyes and dance around. You know, they, they considered him a sellout, but honestly, they can go fuck themselves. He was great and uh, completely talented and amazingly nice guy. Influenced uh, generations of players. He smoked a lot of weed. Well, well, there you go. Yeah, he's like the pride of the Queens. You know, he was like Queens. There's a whole neighborhood of people in Queens basically like moved there because of him. Oh, really? Yeah, jazz musicians. So uh, like, I, I bet Marcus Miller wouldn't have lived in Queens if it wasn't for uh, Louis Armstrong. The next number we're gonna swing for you is one of the good old favorites. Yes, uh, Dinah, Dinah, the goddamn one. Are you ready? The Jazz is not one thing. It's like jazz is, is there's very there's many elements of jazz, and, and jazz elements can be applied to other music, you know, and it, it shines in other music. Like, it, what kind of elements are you talking about? Like harmonic qualities or rhythmic qualities. Like, jazz doesn't have to just be what one person thinks of it as a as, but it is, it can't be, it's not, you know, you know when it's not jazz. Well, when is it jazz? In my opinion, is jazz when you have a a form that you're you establish and then you improvise intelligently based on that form rhythmically and harmonically. It's logic. It's not you know, like jazz is really like about like taking the original chords and superimposing and implying other chords that relate to those chords. Jesus Christ. Like you could almost play chords. You could play a whole song based off one song. And if you knew what the first song was, you'd know why this first second song was being played. But if you just heard the second song without knowing why it was being played, you wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like That's a complicated thing. Like in other words, like if you're playing a one chord and then you take another chord and play it on top of it. That chord is being played on top of it for a reason. Because it's leading to the next song? <laughs> no, because it relates to that chord and perhaps the next chord it's leading into. Oh, my God. This seems like... See, this... Honestly, this seems like it's work to listen to jazz. Well, it's like a, it's like a puzzle. Well, it's that, like a exactly. Quil, it's like a quilt, a quilted puzzle. So you, the enjoyment you get out of jazz is not the same as you get listening to something else. It's a different kind of listening experience. Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure. I think it's different for everyone. The thing is, I'm not even a. I'm not even like a a real like. I, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not harmonically educated to that degree. I can hear it, but I don't know what it is. Some people can't even hear it. I've heard it enough. You know, I'm a drummer, really, who can play other instruments, but I'm not like a jazz piano player. When you say you can hear it, what is it? The chord stuff? Yeah, the chords and the quality of the chords and how uh, they're, uh, how substitutes are used, you know, how you substitute a chord in here and, and how a, a logic, you know, the logic of a chord progression, how one thing's leading, how a passing chord leads to another chord. 
why you would have this voicing. I can hear a lot of it, but I couldn't put it into words telling you what those were. I don't know, like, I couldn't say for sure, like, that's a flat fifth or that's a sharp eleventh or whatever. I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not a piano player or, or even a jazz guitar player. But I can hear it and I know enough about it to know what I'm talking about. And you enjoy it, though. Yeah, and I can play music. If I play drums, I know how to play based on what I'm hearing so that I can play I can play intelligently based upon not just the rhythm but also harmonically hopefully alright so tell me about the bebop what is the difference between what Louis Armstrong was playing and bebop and right, well, you know what why don't you give me an example of bebop real quick play uh, Dizzy Gillespie Night in Tunisia So bebop is where jazz took a turn. As Louis Armstrong pointed out, which is even before the free jazz movement of the 60s and late 50s, he thought that bebop was Chinese music. In other words, he could not understand that music. He, being a jazz master, couldn't relate to that. So how the hell is the average person going to relate to it? And it just got more and more out there until it got back in. That's right where I think I'm with Louis Armstrong and uh, it takes a turn there. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, it says that uh, bebop developed as the younger generation of jazz musicians expanded the creative possibilities of jazz beyond the popular dance-oriented swing style with a new musician's music that was not as danceable and demanded close listening. As bebop was not intended for dancing, it enabled the musicians to play at faster tempos. That and heroin. So, I thought heroin kind of slowed you down. Yeah, man, it slows it down so you can play faster. Is that what happens? Yeah, they said it made time stand still. Okay. So. These drummers said this. Drummers said that they could play faster when they were on heroin because it made everything slower. That's crazy. I don't know. I, yeah, that is crazy. But, you know, proof's in the pudding. That in the heroin. So. <laughs> every. No, no, but seriously, uh, what jazz? Okay, now what happened was, bebop came in. Uh-huh. Uh They sped it up. Music got faster, and the chords got more complicated. And this is what I'm saying: like, they would take a standard, which is like, say, a broad a song from Broadway, like a Broadway play song, right? And they would take each chord of the song and substitute another chord that was harmonically based off of that chord but just removed slightly so 
essentially they created other songs or or they would just take the regular mel- they would take those cor- those chords maybe alter them slightly but they would take the chords of a standard and just put new melodies over it but when you put those melodies over it like i said a note is only blued based on what chord it's juxtapositioned against they would take different melodies against those other co- old chords and in doing so you create a whole nother harmonic value That right there is a good example of, you know, like taking some standard chords and, and, and superimposing a, a new melodic concept on top of it to create what, what is basically the language of bebop. Anyway, so what I was saying is uh, bebop, bebop came in and then it came and then it started to get a little freer. John Coltrane started playing. Coltrane took what Charlie Parker and Dizzy were doing and took it to the next level and it got even more out there to the average person's ear. After bebop came hard bop. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, that's the distinction. Just let's just say that bebop then went, then became free jazz essentially. Okay. The next revolution was free jazz, and free jazz is like uh, Ornette Coleman, and then uh, also more more like uh, John Coltrane and like Eric Dolphy. Like Eric Dolphy's uh, "Out to Lunch" is like the essential free jazz album. Mm-hmm. 
perfect example of where bebop kind of went after. This is what bebop kind of morphed into. It's all based in tradition. Like you could hear some Ornette Coleman where it's completely out there. And then you could also hear Ornette Coleman where he can actually play real music. So he knew what he was doing. It's not like just some lunatic in a room blowing a horn. This is an educated cat playing stuff that's so complexly removed. It's hard to hear unless you know where it's coming from. And where it's coming from could be like three times removed to start with. Free jazz could be like maybe five, six steps away from like the blues. All right. Where does Miles Davis fit in all this? Miles is a bebop player who also reinvented himself over and over again. Miles is one of the most important people in, in modern music, in my opinion. Not just modern jazz, just modern music altogether. Yep, modern music altogether. Because without Miles, you wouldn't have Prince, you wouldn't have Hendrix, you wouldn't have any of that. You wouldn't have the Allman Brothers, you wouldn't have any of that shit. Well, Miles and Coltrane. Coltr- I mean, the Allman Brothers were so influenced by uh, my favorite things, John Coltrane, that without that, they wouldn't have even probably have formed the way they did. Dwayne, I just think, I, I don't know, I don't know the specifics of it, but I know that they were heavily influenced by uh, My Favorite Things, Coltrane. And listen to My Favorite Things and then listen to, um, you know, In Memory of Elizabeth Reed. You can hear how it's like they're influenced by it. Coltrane gapped bebop and rock fusion. We'll put on uh, In Memory of Elizabeth Reed. train would take a chord or two and it would jam on it you know they would play over it and just play on it for 15 minutes 20 minutes over the same changes well that's the allman brothers so they jazz kind of started jam bands yeah allman brothers are heavy jazz rock but so heavily into the blues rock side of it that it's hard to tell that they're jazz rock but yeah without coltrane there's no allman brothers absolutely Bebop was one thing, but then Coltrane, who was a bebop player, also then ushered in that new thing, which was whatever you want to call it, hard bop or... I don't know what you call Coltrane. Anyway, he's like the next... He's, you know, the next cultural revolution before, like, fusion. And with without Miles, there's no Coltrane. And without Dizzy and Charlie Parker, there's no Miles. Not the way it is, you know, not the way he was. So you're saying that John Coltrane came after Miles? Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to Miles then. Let's not skip over that. Miles was like an 18-year-old when he started playing with, like, Dizzy and uh, and uh, Charlie Parker and those cats. Uh, around 19... See, Miles... Dizzy and uh, Charlie Parker started rocking it around 1940, 41. A lot of their shit's not on record, though, because there was a uh, a record band for what I think was like 
42 to 44 or something, something like that. Something to do with the war. Oh, the war. Okay. They needed the products or something. Yeah, I don't know. They weren't allowed to record for like two years. So like the or the uh, early development of Bebop is not documented as well as it should be because of a rec- the recording ban. Pretty bad time to re- ban recording, unfortunately. Well, I think they probably needed... Uh... The acetate. It was is that the original what it, recordings were on acetate. They needed something. It, you know, it's it. You talk about the the war, but it people were really asked to uh, give shit up. They Margarine started making drum and sets, spam, and all that. Drum shit. sets were made of metal. Then the war came along, and they had to make all the drum sets parts out of wood. They couldn't. There's there's limited edition drum sets from the 40s that all the hardware, the cymbal stands, are all made of wood because they could, weren't legally allowed to use metal. There you go. Insane. Can you imagine people today, the kids today, being told that they can't do this or that because of, they Rash, need to help Rations us? or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know how that would go down? Not at all. Um, so <clears throat> let's talk more about Miles since he's. you seem to think he's singularly um, one of the most important people in music. Uh, he started off bebop and then went to the freeform uh, free jazz? No, I would say that Miles did. Uh, Miles started off as a student of, of Bebop, and then he put out an album called Birth of the Cool. is sort of like uh, legendary and I can't exactly tell you why but that kind of ushered in this whole new sort of like thing that album is like a collector's item if you get that it's like worth a lot of money the real the original vinyl history sees Birth of the Cool as like the start of this new sort of like music or new take on on bebop it was originally on 78 (laughs) Like he did, like check Miles Davis. Like he came out of, uh, like I said, he came out of uh, Dizzy and Charlie Parker's thing, uh, and Thelonious Monk, and uh, that tradition. And then, basically, like Birth of the Cool is that. But then he put out he put out an album called Kind of Blue, and Kind of Blue is kind of like the definitive jazz album of all time. like slightly into jazz they'll probably say Kind of Blue is their favorite album like Owen Benjamin Kind of Blue his favorite jazz album oh really yeah I mean it's and it's 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 kind of like what you would think of a cool jazz as it's almost like cool smooth jazz before jazz was smooth 
and that's a whole nother thing like smooth jazz like elevator music like that that sort of like started in the 1960s with like like bossa nova like bossa jazz like uh ac jobum girl from ipanema jobim 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 it's like user-friendly kind of like really like Mm, easygoing rhythm that you can relate to that's probably what i like so that's like after all this shit after all this like free jazz hard jazz blah 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 jazz that drives you crazy then it's like somehow like they were like oh we can like please people with this kind of like bossa beat and like bossa nova kind of like took over jazz for, for a while Olha que coisa mais linda, mais cheia de graça. Ela, menina, que vem, que passa. That's actually ushered in with Dizzy Gillespie. Like, he's a pioneer of... Uh, of he is the one, basically, who's famous for uh, fusing Latin music and jazz. Oh, why? Did he go down there or something? Or? Uh, I'm not sure if he went down there, but he played with uh, cats in New York who were real authentic guys from West Africa. Uh, this one guy named Chano Pozo. But that's not Latin. Uh, it's Afro-Cuban. I see. So oh, it, it is oh, Latin. I see. It's, it's, it's interesting there. Yeah. It's Latin. Anyway, it's what we know as Latin. It's like the basis of what we know as Latin music, uh, Latin jazz. So yeah, Miles, like I said, when cool, kind of blue, like that kind of sums up what Miles like. Like it's hard to say. Miles, like that's the thing. Miles reinvented himself over and over again, and. Okay, so there's Birth of the Cool. He kind of like did a thing with that that influenced a lot of people. And then Kind of Blue totally influenced a whole another bunch of people. Then he gets this quartet with Tony Williams and Herbie Hancock in the 60s. And he once again changes jazz with this whole new sound. aggressive fast jazz there's there's a ton of records that they put out in the mid 60s it's a very prolific period then after that he gets into rock jazz and he does bitches brew which is again an insanely revolutionary album like totally influential Mm-hmm. 
and if you look at Bitches Brew, like half, like all the musicians on it, basically went on to form like what we know as like f- the God Godfathers of fusion, because it's got Chick Corea who did uh you know Return to Forever, Billy Cobham from Mahavishnu's Orchestra, John McLaughlin Mahavishnu Orchestra, you know it's just like everyone who went on to become huge in fusion like got their start in in Miles's band. That's the insane thing. You can trace the roots of all this like crazy music to Miles. Joe Zavinal, Wayne Shorter. Wayne Shorter was the uh, sax player for Miles's quartet with Tony Williams in the 60s, and Wayne Shorter then goes on to form Weather Report with Jocko and Zavinal. And Weather Report is like, you know, the best fusion there is. jazz rock fusion you know what I mean like that's that's a whole nother thing wow so without miles though none of that shit and each one of these uh, I, I guess these um, they're kind of like jazz shoot offs yeah do they still exist out there are there people still doing bebop and people still doing free jazz and people still definitely. doing fusion definitely people still doing it uh, some of the, you know, some of the younger people doing it, uh, you know, like Snarky Puppy. What kind of jazz do they do? No, they do like shithead jazz. No, what? Are you so serious? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, they can do the kind of jazz that you listen to, like with headphones on. Oh, is like that? if you like smoke, you get like executed. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, they're like the kind of jazz. Like if you're in the, in the audience and you like chew too loudly, they escort you out and like give you a, a mark against you on your report card what are you talking you're out of your mind it's college jazz oh okay i don't know that what being said about. they're great great players the new generation each generation's chops get sicker and sicker you know doesn't mean they have more soul or they can swing any better but they can certainly play around circles you know i mean van halen can play circles around eric clapton doesn't mean he's bluesier no i gotcha i got yeah you. these guys are there's guys doing it now and there's also guys doing you know there's a like a, there's a whole school of like young guys who just play you know 1940s bebop Okay. But the, 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 they have an attitude problem because if you try and play anything else, they look down upon you. Who are these guys? Have you played with them? You know, like guys like Jesse and oh, other gosh. cats, you know. Jesse's a little bit better because he's multi-influenced. 
just guys with attitudes, you know, who like this is the thing, like the forties was happening in the forties. Right. It's not happening in, in seventy years later. You're not and gonna get that big of a crowd to come in. It's see. just stale. You're you're reproducing something that's not you're, it's not it's cool, but it's been done. Uh-huh. You can't innovate something that's already been done. You can carry on the tradition. Right. But people would get mad at Miles for playing, you know, rock fusion. They want him to play like he played in the 40s and in the 80s. And he was like, I already did that. He's like, if I, he's like, I'd rather die than, than have to reproduce that shit. You know what I mean? That, that was his art then. Right. To force him to redo it if he's not feeling it. Like he did, he's like, I did that. You guys, you know, move on. So <clears throat> Miles pretty much every time he put out a record or two he changed the direction of jazz yeah that's pretty true that is pretty true the direction of he jazz, was so popular that he did yeah and that's not to say that the, like i said there's not other, it's not to say that there's not other guys who are as good as him or more even more talented or more fluent or you know there's probably more talented players there probably always always were but miles had the common sense to to get the right players around him in his band and he also he also had the ability to absorb what was popular in culture and put his twist on it. And he always did that from Sinatra to Hendrix. I see. Yeah, like Miles loved Sinatra. Good. But, you know, if you you wouldn't know that unless you listen closely to his phrasing and then you can hear like he's kind of phrasing like Sinatra in, in some some cases. Like when Miles in the 50s, Miles played perhaps his his best. And that was bebop, or not bebop? That was free jazz. No, this is yeah. I mean, f- for Miles, that was like I guess what you, would, what you would call hard bop, or yeah, it was like bebop, but it was it's a little more uh, it's a little more inside actually. The kind of blue ears is that what you're talking about? Just before kind of blue, this is like uh, like 1955, 1954. Kind of blue is like 1960. Now tell me, um, who, what is jazz like today? Is there, is it, is there more fusion? Is it something else or is it, has it stopped and it's just, it's where it was and there's more people playing it, but it had, there hasn't been another evolution of it. Uh, I would say that there is, uh, no, I don't think there's another evolution. Well, There's been a couple of things in jazz that have happened. Like what? Uh, like Indian music kind of got fused in with jazz a little bit. Like really? Indian rhythms. So Indian, sort of Indian music, like Middle Middle Eastern Indian kind of music. That got gets got fused in there, kind of started in the 80s and the 90s, 2000s. Is that called anything? I don't know what that's called. But you'll find like odd groupings of rhythms, odd time signatures, Sometimes they'll have tabos in there, like Indian drums. Uh, and then on the other side of things, you have like uh, the cross between hip hop and jazz. You'll have hip hop music, kind of jazz musicians who also understand hip hop, and that's part of the sound. And that's like uh, this guy, Chris Daddy Dave. That's like the new generation of music, of like drummers. Zach Danziger, Chris Daddy Dave. Like, that's, in my opinion, like, the new evolution of jazz. So it is evolving. 
Yeah, yeah, but it's a small market. Yeah. It's a small market and Niche. it's Yeah. It's It's yeah, I don't know. It's evolving, but you know, there was a time when jazz was like popular music. Right. And I don't think that's been it hasn't been like that since the 60s. Since Kenny G. Yeah, Kenny G. He's rough. You think he's rough? He's he's a rough one. That album was popular. Yeah. Yeah, he's not really... Why do you have a problem with Kenny G? Just because he's... Uh... Well... Sometimes he sounds out of tune to me. I see. But other than that... His music is really wimpy. It's really inside. What do you mean by inside? It's like he doesn't... It's very, like, soft. It's not... It's very vanilla. It's like it doesn't take chances. It's not edgy. It's very smooth. You know what I mean? It's almost like elevator music. Right. Oh, it's smooth jazz. Yeah, it's very, like, user-friendly. Like, it's a formula. And it... And from what I've heard, Uh he's happy to do that. He is... He's content. Maybe it's mellow for him. He's content to be that. He... Well, Pat Metheny, uh-huh. who is one of the greatest guitar players ever, uh-huh. uh, you can like him or not, okay. has a lot to say about Kenny G. Well, I can understand why a lot of people say they don't like jazz, because right now, sometimes you say the word jazz and people think of some of the worst music on earth, like, for instance, Kenny G. I mean, you know, there's nothing more stupid than that, let's face it. That's the dumbest music there ever could possibly be in the history of human beings. There could never be music any worse than that. And now people think that that's what jazz is. Well, that's not what jazz is at all. Jazz is, at its best, the most incredible music. It's just that, like in rock and roll, 95% of it really sucks. Particularly, I don't even like Pat Metheny. Oh, I thought you loved The stiff motherfucker. Oh, oh shit. Well, maybe that's why he doesn't like Kenny G. Kenny G told him he was stiff. I don't know. Maybe he's going to say bad Pat shit Pat more like Pat Marwini. Am I right? No. Oh. I mean, I just feel like the guy was successful, good on him. People seem to enjoy it. I don't own that record, but... Look, I happen to know Kenny G's real name is Kenny Gorlick. He's, he's of your tribe. He's of my tribe, so I have the right to criticize him. Oh, okay. uh, That being said, you know, I like Kenny G on the first Jeff Lorber album, uh-huh. which is uh, where he came out of Jeff Lorber Fusion. That's a good. That's a good stuff. But, uh, you know, quite frankly, Kenny G's probably the worst part of that record. Well, you know, it's just like, it's like Yanni. There are people that love Yanni, but, but I'm sure that there are also people who have plenty to say about Yanni. There's but, a lot of people like Mr. Schwetty's balls, too. I'm just saying that it, I, there is an appeal there, and if he's happy making that music, then why would, why would you even bother to criticize him? Who cares? No, I wouldn't criticize him. I'm, I'm not, I, I wouldn't really criticize him. I was just surprised at how much Pat Metheny criticized him. Perhaps because... I don't know why. Maybe he owes Pat Metheny's a 20. I don't know. So Maybe Pat Metheny's losing out on gigs because of music like uh, Kenny G. I mean, that is possible, you know? Well, Who wants to hear this fucking revolutionary shit where you can play it safe with a formula? Well, the truth of the matter is, is as you've been explaining it and as we've been listening along, there is a clear line for me of what's enjoyable and what is not enjoyable or not, maybe not, not enjoyable, but I, it just, it's, 
it almost seems hard to listen to like the the jazz is dead uh was <clears throat> i i didn't recognize any of those songs and you've explained it now and i see why i didn't mm-hmm. all right well uh this has been uh i'm sure there's more stuff out there that you will remember as soon as we hit stop but that's fine oh uh, check wait, i got one more for you okay uh, uh, Donald Fagan, Bright Lights, Big City. Now, this minute or two minute long clip is one of my favorite endings to a movie. I see. And the song has so much jazz in it, but it's not actually jazz. early light you can imagine the first ship from the old world sailing slowly up the biggest river they had ever seen that was almost how you felt the first time you saw the city from the window of a greyhound like you were looking at a new world waiting to be discovered and that's how it looks to you now but you have to go slowly you'll have to learn everything all over again Why is it ha- jazzy but not jazz? Well, uh, a side note, all the comments on that video are about 9-11. Yeah, well, I can see why. Um, but, uh, well, first of all, the horn arrangement on that is amazing. Uh-huh. The horns are 
just brilliant. And uh, so the horns and the chords, basically he took a Jimmy Reed song, Bright Lights, Big City, and just made an insanely jazzy arrangement of it. So it's just got lots of elements of jazz in the chords and in the horns and the, the rhythm of the horns. But then why don't you consider it to be jazz? Because it's like blues. It's, it's, I see. It's blues, but it's got some jazz in it. It's jazzy blues. It's not real jazz, but it's so steeped in jazz that it, I don't know. <laughs> that one song right there, I, I, I don't know why I can't feel It's not been released. You can't find it. i got to just watch... I've watched that that clip there probably 15 times over the past 10 years just so I can hear the song. And I love Michael J. Fox. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, all right, well, that's weird that it wasn't released, but I'm uh, pretty the, sure it's the, we're, we're going to get flagged over it and The song other that songs was released here. is uh, Century's End. That's from the movie. That's the song they did release. Was there a soundtrack and it's just not even on the it's soundtrack? not on the soundtrack. Century's End is on the soundtrack. Century's End is cool, but this one is, man, the horns are just so good. And that's a gospel 12-8 feel. A gospel 12-8 feel. That means the uh, beat resolves after 12. Mm-hmm. What's the 8 for? That's the pulse underneath it. I see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1. That's, kind of, that's the kind of feel. With that feel, that's where the vocals start and begin. Each, you know what I mean? Each phrase. I have no, I do not know what you mean, but this is why you listen to music differently than I do. This is why when we yeah. first moved up here and we were driving to Florida, you got really mad because I was singing along with Mbop. You literally were so annoyed with me, and I'm like, "What? It's fun. They're cute. They're little kids." You were like, "You were so angry. We were fighting about Mbop." Fighting about Mbop. It was absurd. But, uh, you know, there's there there you go. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, this has been episode number 45 of the Middle-Aged Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast featuring your pals, Dave and Shecky. I finished that for you. Uh, if there yeah. was... If, sorry. If there was one record you would recommend for everyone, just one right now, Get into jazz and listen to this record, or get into jazz by listening to this record. What is it? Go. I don't have one. Wait, you want to give me a second? No. And go. Go. Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> There's not one record you could say. Uh... Look, if I said to you, what name one record that could get you into funk, what would it be? Man, one record? Oh, forget it. Hey. You know what? You've just ruined it. All right, how about this? Oh, one record to get you into jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, why don't you check out an uh, interesting take on jazz? Have a uh, Claude Boil- Bowling Suite. Is that what it's called? Claude Bowling. Okay, you know what? I'm not putting this in because you didn't talk about him and all of a sudden now he's the guy that's going to get you interested in jazz. Well, if you don't know about jazz, maybe this can ease you into it. Check him out, Claude Bowling. No. Come on. I'm going to say maybe you guys can check out Snarky Puppy. All right, Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. That's the one. Or or look at Snarky Puppy on YouTube. They are very good. Uh, Don't don't look at them too closely. You'll get a grade mark against you. You'll get escorted out of class. All right. Hashtag Snarky Me Puppy, too. 
All right. Anyway, uh, it's been great, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode, and we will see you next time, America. Take it easy.